I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of three very well-versed people in lore working for Blizzard Watch. I'm also very tired today, so I apologize if this sounds a little weird, but it seems like awkward intros seem to be a thing the last couple of weeks. Anyway, got both my wonderful co-hosts with me. First up, Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, we also have our other esteemed lore aficionado. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? Every news report I see is talking about how it's going to be 30 degrees and on fire when I get to California this week. So I'm I'm panicking. That's what I'm doing. I am panicking. I would say that if you have not invested in one of those little face mask thingies... The little, you know, the ones you're supposed to wear when you're working in dusty areas, that kind of thing. The little cloth thing that goes over your nose. Get one of those and bring it with you to and wear it when you're outside. Because if there is as much smoke as there is reportedly, you probably don't want to be outside in that too for too long. And when you are outside in that, you probably want to have something over your face. Just saying. Oh. Also, for those of those of you uh, listening at home, uh, thirty degrees Celsius for those in the states, that's about like eighty five ish. Yeah, it's about eighty five, ninety degrees. Yeah. The thing that's really kind of concerning with California right now is that the Santa Ana winds are picking up, which yes. are warm, dry, and particularly conducive to whipping fires around in kind of unpredictable ways so yeah if you if you are headed out to california for blizzcon please be careful and the advice that i gave rossi about the face mask thing yeah um that applies to everybody and i think this is this is going to be coming out on wednesday and everybody should be kind of coming in on thursday i think uh the convention itself yeah the convention itself is 
Thursday, or excuse me, is Friday and Saturday. So if you are headed to BlizzCon, maybe invest in one of those things and don't spend too much time outside. Don't spend any more time outside than you absolutely have to because the smoke is unreal, you guys. Um, I, I lived in Southern California through a couple of wildfires and I do not recommend that experience. Um, small doses, okay. Indoors mostly, okay. But when you're outside, maybe wear something kind of cover up a little bit all right that has nothing to do with warcraft lore but here's the deal rossi is obviously going to be in blizzcon at, at blizzcon next week he's not going to be here uh next week's lore watch we're going to talk about everything that was announced at blizzcon and we're going to have a very special guest co-host with us because rossi's going to be traveling this week, I figured, since um, we're kind of doing the whole ramp-up lead-up to BlizzCon, we might as well throw some predictions out there, because those are always fun. Sometimes we know what's going to happen, sometimes we don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes there's data mine stuff to look at, or leaks to look at. Um, keep in mind that this is all material that possibly could be spoilers for BlizzCon. We don't know, but if you'd rather be surprised by everything that happens... Go ahead and stop here, come back next week after the convention is over with, and see how accurate we were, because why not? It's a fun game. Um, it's one I play every year. <laughs> so uh, there's more than just World of Warcraft at BlizzCon, and one of the things that everybody is really gung-ho, super excited about is the possibility of Diablo 4. That is Rossi's territory, so Rossi, I'm going to let you talk. Okay, uh, first off, a few people have sent me stuff on Twitter that makes me absolutely positive that Diablo 4, the, ga the game is going to come out. It's going to be announced. It's going to um, So <clears throat> um, that's one of my predictions right off the bat. We will get Diablo 4 this year. Uh, because of the stuff I've looked at, I'm fairly certain that back in Diablo 3, back when I was writing lore articles about Diablo 3 relatively commonly, one of the things I kept pointing out was they, they, were, they, were, they mentioned Inarius and Lilith quite a bit. And... In Diablo 2... Inarius and Lilith were the original gonna, two that yeah. created the Nephilim. I'm just paraphrasing. Go for it. In Diablo 2, uh, Tyriel destroys the World Stone, also known as the Eye of Anu, the device by which the angel Inarius created Sanctuary. Uh, it was also the thing Inarius used when the Nephilim began becoming more powerful than the angels or demons. He used the World Stone to turn them into humans. He effectively sealed away their power using the world stone since the world stone was the creation creator of the whole universe effectively and it was a fragment of lost anu basically he used he used a magical rock to neuter everybody but when Tyriel destroyed the world stone one of the things he did was inarius had used the world stone to seal lilith away because when the when the nephilim were first born oh i the, forgot the about rebel, that rebel the rebel angels and demons we're like, oh, we don't like these beings. They're more powerful than us. They, they're going to draw the attention of heaven and hell. They're going to lead the eternal conflict here. And Arius was considering it. He's like, you know, you, you make a good point. I know they are our offspring, but you're right. They will attract the attention of, of greater powers. And Lilith killed them. She was like, you're not messing with the, the Nephilim. Like the whole reason I agreed to this. Mm -hmm. This is what I was looking for. You guys are, you're done. I don't need you. So she, she figured that Arius would go along with it. He didn't. And while he wasn't more powerful than her, he had the world stone. So he used the world stone to seal her away in an, like a pocket prison dimension. I totally doing forgot so, about that. Doing so is risky for a couple of reasons. The first reason is one we, we saw in the Sin War novels, 
because when Mephisto finally got his hands on Anarius, he was like, where's my daughter? And when Anarius's answer was, after a lot of torture, you know, I sealed her away using the World Stone, Mephisto's response was, well, you don't have the World Stone, so you can't bring her back, so I guess I'm just going to torture you some more. We don't actually know what happened to Anarius after the Sin War. We know that Mephi he was given to Mephisto. The angels gave Anarius to the demons to, to secure the peace between heaven and hell. That's why the pact that said that nobody could go to sanctuary, that's where it came from. It was created by that act. That's how they ended the war. But with the destruction of the World Stone, the thing holding Lilith away was gone. And we didn't see her in Diablo 3, but she's mentioned. If you do uh, Reaper of Souls, if you're playing Reaper of Souls, Lilith and Anarius are mentioned in the books that are found inside the Pandemonium Fortress because part of the whole thing about the Pandemonium Fortress was that it was a, it was affected by the World Stone resting in it for so long. Yeah. And they used an echo of the World Stone. That's how he started hearing the souls of the dead in place of the world stone. When humans die, their spirits go forth into the cosmos and he could hear them. They were like, they were attracted to the world stone chamber, even though the world stone wasn't there anymore. And that's how he became the angel of death by, by studying that and meditating on it. But Inarius and Lilith weren't, aren't there, but they're mentioned because they're the ones who stole the world stone in the first place. They're the ones who created sanctuary with it. They're the one that started everything. And they're the, the, the parents of one of the first Nephilim, and the first Nephilim, his name was Lucian at the time, I think. And I'm, this is the part I have hard to remember. But I think he, changed so. his, he changed his name to Rachma. Yeah. And if you're wondering, hey, Rachma, why is that familiar to me? It's because necromancers are also known as priests of Rachma. He was the first necromancer. Ah, uh, yeah, Lucian. That's yeah. right. And he was the son of of uh, Lilith and Denarius. Mm-hmm the two who started everything. So he was one the of the first pretty much. Yeah. yeah. He was the first, the first Nephilim. Yeah. And so when they did the Nephilim pack, when they did the necromancer pack and when they did Diablo three, uh, you know, Reaper souls, I felt like these were pretty big clues. Now last year, actually yeah, before BlizzCon even Blizzard had commissioned a comic book and they had hired Marv Wolfman to be the writer. And the cover art yeah. was Lilith. And then they suddenly just didn't do the comic. And everyone was like, huh? Why is that? And so going forth into this BlizzCon, there's good reason that you can find if you want to look on the internet. I'm not going to point you to it. but there's Joe basically... says that, that it was Lenarian. Yeah, yeah it's Lenarian. Lucian was Lilith's brother. Lilith's brother. I, did, I just didn't, okay. want to, just didn't want to interrupt everyone. No, that's fine. It's fine to correct me. Um, like I said, I couldn't remember that. I just remembered the Rockma part. Okay, but, comic book. <laughs> yeah, the comic book was, was going to be about Lilith. And we didn't know what her role was going to be in it. We knew not anything about it. But I remember I, you wrote some speculation about that. Yeah, and I think that that speculation is going to happen. I think Diablo 4 is going to be about Lilith because the Nephilim are central to her plans. And the end of Reaper of Souls, Tyrael realizes that the Nephilim have grown so powerful that they can strike down archangels mm -hmm. and demon lords. They, they can, are back up. They're kind of back up to the height of the power that kept them that wanted or meant. Just about, yeah. They are, you know, the, the Nephilim. They're at destroyed... where they were when they were locked away in the first place by the World Stone or neutered by the World Stone. Yeah. Specifically, they're at the point where they're useful to Lilith because she, there's the thing. She wanted the Nephilim because she wanted to destroy the order of heaven and hell because she was tired of the eternal conflict. She wanted to destroy it. Yeah, there can't and, be a conflict if everybody's dead. 
and finally, the Nephilim is strong enough. There's a Nephilim out there who took out all seven of the greater and lesser evils in one being. Mm -hmm. They beat the prime evil. They beat Diablo when Diablo had all seven. And then they beat the Archangel of Death, who is, you know, really just the Archangel of, of, of Wisdom. But, you know, they beat that, that being while he was also using the power of all seven of the prime evils at the same time. So an Ooh. Archangel with the power of all seven of the evils, they beat that. And not only that, like we're also getting to that point where heaven's ransacked. Like we, we busted our butts through there and like, it was already that, destroyed by, but it was destroyed yeah, by the primeval before we even got right. But it. I mean, like, you, I'm just saying like, you see, it's not heaven anymore. It's not like this. Even, pristine even after, even after the corruption, yeah. even after the corruption gets cleansed, which it does. Oh yeah. You see the, you see the corruption. It's still right. The place got smashed up pretty good. The the Angiris Council is basically doesn't know what to do, and they're fighting amongst each other. Like you know, um, I'm trying to remember the two that are Hope and uh, Fate. Uh, Oriel. Ariel is Hope. Yeah, and I, f I forget who in, in, in there. In, uh, Ithariel. I think that's uh, Ithariel is the Archangel of Fate. That is correct. Those two are like on the whole. You know, we need the Nephilim. The Nephilim are good side. Um, Tyriel is now caught, caught, obviously like rethinking this after he's seen what happened, and um, he was on the Nephilim side until he watched them take out an archangel. Yeah, at which point I think he's, he's like, having kind of a "What have I done?" And you know, Imperius is very obviously against us. It always has been. Imperius wanted us destroyed. He well, wanted also... the Earth destroyed. So there's the Angiris Council. They're not unified anymore. Remember the unity that they had before Diablo's plan? Yep. It's gone. Yep. Whatever else you want to say about Diablo, Diablo successfully destroyed the, the Endurance Council's unity. And meanwhile, th maybe, the, 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 maybe the greater and lesser evils have all escaped, or maybe Diablo has escaped as the prime evil. But clearly, Diablo is not more powerful than the Nephilim. The Nephilim can beat Diablo. The Nephilim can beat Dia something of Diablo's power level and an archangel at the same time. And they're only getting stronger. And that's something so, yeah. to contend with. Now, if you're Lilith, and this is exactly why you made the Nephilim in the first place, and where's Anarius? Nowhere. Where's the World Stone? Nowhere. There's nothing to stop her. And I know she thinks, well, sure, I didn't, I didn't manage to quite manipulate Odysseus back in the day, but Odysseus... Well, not only was he stubborn, but I had all these people opposing me. I had the Triune opposing me. I had Inarius opposing me. They're not there anymore. There's nobody to stop me. Once I get the, the Nephilim on my side, you know, that's where I think Diablo 4 is going to be about. That's my prediction right now. Diablo 4 is going to be about Lilith's campaign to destroy everything and build a new order with her on top. Okay, so I have another question for and you. And all the people that could have stopped her are either not unified, just plain gone, or... I'm not sure what you'd even call them. Just, just there's nothing there to oppose her. Okay, so here's my question for you, Rossi. Weren't they supposed to come out with a third book? Like they were supposed to come out with like the Book of Adria? Yeah, they were supposed to come out with the Book of Adria. And they then did, they... I think they did pretty much come out with a book did, of something. Did they come out with the Book of Adria? Did that? Did that actually get released? I'm hang on. I, I'm they did, I believe. Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did. It took a while for them to come out with it, though. Like, it was supposed to come out a while ago, and then it was delayed for some reason, and then it came out. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, because it didn't come out until late in 2018. Okay. Yeah. It, it came out in December of 2018. Yeah. Okay, so here's my question. 
is there I mean obviously when we had like the book of Cain and the book of Tyrael they kind of tied in a little bit thematically with what was going on as far as the game is concerned does Adria tie into any of this stuff with can you think of any ways that Adria would tie in with all this stuff um... that you were just talking about well, I mean, Adria served Diablo this whole time. Yeah. And we even see her serving Diablo in, in Reaver of Souls, where she's like, you know, that's how we find out where Malthiel is, because she's spying on Malthiel. Yeah. And she even says that, you know, T- Diablo's plan will still work. It'll still happen, you know. And, uh, I mean, I can think of a couple of different ways. One is could be like, you know, Diablo doesn't want a universe with Lilith in charge any more than anybody else does. Because it doesn't include him. Yeah, no, he'd get destroyed too. Um, and the Nephilim has proved dangerous enough to stop him. So letting anybody have that kind of power is not something that's in Diablo's best interests. But an even more interesting idea is quite simply that Adria is exactly the kind of person Lilith would, would want to use. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's what I, mean, I was wondering is how much I of a totally possibility see, is that? I could totally see Lilith go to Diablo and say, I mean, go to Adria and say, are you tired of being used yet? Because that's all you've been this whole time. You know, they used you to form that cult. They used you, you know, the, the Church of the Triune. You originally worked for a cult that was descended from them. Then they used you to make, you know, a, you know, you had to give birth for them. You, know, you had to do all this for them. Over and over again, they've used you. What have you gotten out of it? You got murdered. Where was Diablo when you were getting killed in a tomb? You know, they use you. But I will allow you to use them. And that kind of argument, I think, would go a long way with Adria, especially after you've heard her whole story about being, you know, watching the witches burn and, you know, be, her whole story that you hear in Reaper of Souls. Yeah. I think there could definitely be some some stuff there between the two of them that would be interesting. But I don't know. I mean, we, the book of Adria came out last year. I mean, granted, it was December of last year, but it came out last year. It might not have anything to do with... But uh, it, would make a good, it would make a good spot, too. Like, I was telling, saying to Anne, like, I just got done rereading Sinwar, the trilogy, not not too long ago, like in the last couple of weeks. And like I could see this fitting in perfectly, especially if, you know, you have well trying to like get all these Nephilim or mortals, whatever you wanna whatever they are at this point, uh, that can tap into this power. Adria is pretty dang powerful, even without like demonic intervention. Like teaching her how to tap into the primal powers of the Nephilim makes an incredibly useful tool. There's also, I mean, there's one other thing to keep in mind, too. Um, Adria is ultimately human. Mm-hmm. And all humans are Nephilim. Yep. And Malthiel showed that the angels don't think kindly towards us. No. That they're willing to destroy us. That at least one of them was willing to kill absolutely every single one of us just to make sure that all the demons were dead. And Adria is a survivor. I'm just thinking about Adria being being taught the same things Odysseus was, right? Like being being taught how to to tap into that primal power with everything she already knows, and with her courting the demonic entities for so long, and 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 being with the prime evils and and being a servant to them, and that then being tortured by them, she knows them intimately at this point, probably better than Lilith does because she's been locked away for how long. Well, I mean, Lilith is the daughter of Mephisto. I don't think you're going to... You're never going to find anybody who has a better insight into Mephisto than Lilith does. Sure, but there's a bunch well, of others. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there is a bunch of others. I think Adria is probably the best 
the best tool if you want to go up against Diablo is Adria. Mm-hmm. Because I feel Diablo like... made her all his plans. And there is also one other person to consider in all this. Leah. Yes. Uh, that's, that was going to be my next no question. Idea what happened to her. That was going to be my next question was, do you think we're going to find out what happened to Leah? But here's, here's the thing that I'm wondering as far as Adria is concerned. If Lilith does come back and the Nephilim have reached that peak that, that Lilith is looking for, she can't just come out and say, hi kids, how you doing? Cause that would probably understandably freak a lot of people out. But if she had like some kind of ambassador or somebody speaking for her, like, oh, I don't know, the Goldan to her kill Jaden. Well, I mean, she's already doing that kind of. So they already established that after her death, right, Adria's skull uh, and her belongings were sort of like, I don't want to say ransacked, but they were sifted through. And cultists, like. I'm talking about Lilith. Oh, like, sorry. Lilith, Lil- Adria could be the Goldan to Lilith's. Sure. Kill Jaden. Here's the thing. But... Joe mentioned the Sin War books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the Sin War books, Lilith originally comes to Odyssean as someone else. Yep. And oh. basically tries to tempt him. And the only reason he doesn't, she doesn't get away with it is because there's so many other people, including uh, Tragul, interfering with Odyssean and Odyssean's brother Mendel. Mendelin is more is, is the founder of the Priests of Rachma. And when Odyssean is wiped out of existence by his, his own decree, Odyssean does this. Odyssean removes himself from existence so that he doesn't even, like, there's no memory of him. Yep. He the completely only person, erases himself. The only person who remembers him is Mendel. And thus, the only people who really know what, what, what was at stake and what was lost are the necromancers. I think the necromancers are going to be very important. And I think the necromancers tie into this pretty well because Adria died. Well, that's what I was going to, I, I was so getting to. going to have to bring her back somehow. Well, they kind of did. I, that's yeah. the thing. The cults that have, that Joe was just talking about it, the cults that have pieces of her, they have relics of her. They revived I mean, her memory to reconstruct Tristam and to bring back manifestations of Diablo and his lieutenants. And think about this for a second. What, ha- what, did, what did Adria know how to do in Diablo 3? Specific things she knew how to do that she taught us and that we did on our way to find the Black Soul Stone. Oh. It was a really cool thing that we did spit it out she knew how to bring zoltan cool back from the dead yeah she did Mm -hmm. and she taught that magic to her daughter and her daughter used it to resurrect zoltan cool and it and keep in mind zoltan cool even said you know i knew you'd kill me but you know i figured it was worth a shot that that magic is out there now and if they can revive her memories the cultists they're sure as heck fire can uh lilith is an incredibly powerful being yeah and you know, maybe she's not right up to the point of being a prime evil, but she's pretty, pretty close. And more than that, she wouldn't be being, you know, it, it, Adria had a ton of power as well. So it's, it's possible Adria prepared the way here. I mean, she was pretty adept with soul stones. So there's a lot of possibility for Adria here. And there's a lot of possibility for finding out, for instance, what happened to the Leah, what happened to Leah's soul? We know what happened to her body, but what happened to her soul? Did, did Diablo consume it somehow? Could he do that? Was her very conception enough? Because Leah was a pretty innocent person. Not like, you know, naive, exactly. Although she's a little naive at the beginning, but... But she was still... Let, let's face it. I want Leah back because I want to hear Jennifer hail to her voice again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly one aspect to it. But also, like, can Diablo corrupt a soul that didn't wasn't willing? 
I mean, and did Leah have one? I don't know. You know, that's this is all stuff we have to find out. And I do hope that it shows up in this book. But I definitely think that Lilith is going to be a big part of it. Okay. One way or the other. Whatever's going to happen, Lilith is going to be a big part of it. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on here, even though that's super fascinating. And honestly, I could listen to you talk about Diablo for like days. Um, One of the other thing, we're going to, we're going to hit on World of Warcraft. We're going to hit on World of Warcraft last because there's a bunch of stuff to talk about with World of Warcraft. But before we do, I want to talk about Overwatch 2 because there are rumors swirling around that Overwatch 2 is going to make an appearance and what Overwatch 2 is going to be and how it's going to work and that kind of thing. Um, And, you know, some of this stuff appears to be leaked information. Some of this stuff could just be made up. We don't know. We do know that they were talking about Overwatch 2 and we know that that seems to be a thing on the horizon, whether it's this BlizzCon or not. But I I feel like it's this BlizzCon. Um, I'm hoping there's a PvE element with this like a major PvE element with this. Because Blizzard could handle this one of two ways. They could just, you know, reboot the game that they have right now that's wildly successful and making all kinds of money. So why would they bother rebooting it? Or they could rope in that audience. They could rope in that audience that doesn't play Overwatch right now because they're not into competitive PvP. But every time there's a piece of lore, every time there's an animated short or a comic, or in anything, they are right there gobbling that stuff up because it's so good. It's well, just not I, the type of game that they want to play. And I, and I think you're. this is something that players have been asking for since Overwatch originally came out, right? Since that first cinematic, man. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where even when they do the PvE events, people love them. People that don't normally play the game but have it from... They will they log did, in to play the they PvE They log in stuff. to play the PvE events, exactly. Um, and there's been some pretty convincing stuff coming out that, that's leaning heavily towards that being the case. Um, and it seems like they might be listening. Uh, and one of the things, like, we talked about this before, too, where we love how there's all these things to get the story... But isn't it nice to be able to play the game and get some of that story too? And yeah. PVE focused events let you or PVE focused content lets you do that. It's I, I find it a testament to Overwatch as a game that the narrative continues to be so compelling, even though the gameplay literally has nothing to do with that narrative. There's mm-hmm. very little in the actual game. Playing Overwatch is like having superhero action figures of all of these characters and smashing them together and just having fun with it, right? That's what Overwatch is. That's what Overwatch the game is. But there's this story underneath it all that really, it comes out in bits and pieces here and there, but you never really get like a full picture of it. So I feel like an Overwatch 2 would be their opportunity to tell that story. And my question is, which story are they going to tell? Are they going to tell the story post-recall where everybody's being brought together by Winston and we're dealing with whatever strange conspiracy thing Sombra's working with, this global thing that she stumbled upon, or are we finally going to get the down and dirty details about the original Omnic crisis and what happened there and what happened to Overwatch to begin with? What happened to Blackwatch? What happened with, between between Reaper and, and 76, what happened between Gabriel and like, what, what, what went down? What was it? It was all internal, you know, (laughs) we, we have a lot of that, I think now, 
already like some of the stuff like we, we don't have, have all the pieces, pieces obviously we have bits and pieces and the other thing sure. that that's like for me a really really big question that's never been answered why did the omnic crisis start see and that's the thing that i want to see is if yeah. this is over if this is overwatch 2 i want them to advance the story but I want them to go like circle back and sort of loop that into how the Omnic solve that started. mystery, solve because... that mystery. Because there's, I but be, I bet you, whatever it is that is driving things right now in present day is the same thing that is responsible for what happened back then. Well, but you can nobody's to bothered the... to dive into it. You can go back to the Symmetra stuff for that because yeah. that that's what led her down that road. When she found the stuff, that's when she started doing her current situation. Uh, and I think that they could explore that and, and sort of elaborate on that and make that a thing without having to go completely back to the beginning. Like, yeah, we can get an event or, or something like a playable scenario where maybe we're in the middle of the Omnic crisis, but they can advance the story here. It's an opportunity to sort of start slotting those pieces in because I think they all tie together. And we, we've talked maybe about this way, way the, Maybe they do the past stuff. They keep the past stuff for the um, the anniversary event in, in Overwatch because that seems to be the place for them to go back in time and show us these things that happened like over the course of Overwatch's history, what with um, Retribution and all the other stuff mm -hmm. that came out. That seems to be a good place for it. So maybe this will loop around into some of that, or maybe they'll just keep that in Overwatch itself because that is a tremendously popular event. And I don't think that if they release an Overwatch 2 that is a, a more PvE-focused title, I don't think that they're going to do anything to harm the existing Overwatch, really. I think the, well, that regular Overwatch is still going to be around. People are still going to be playing it. There's still Overwatch League. There's still all this other stuff. It's just that there's going to be this other game to go along with it. Now, the other thing that, I, that I've been thinking about this is it might not be Overwatch 2 as in a sequel. It might be Overwatch Phase 2. Maybe. And it might, and it might be an expansion to the current game because there's a lot of things they've been, they, we've, we've been hearing in these leaks and rumors where it's the same cast. It's going to be maybe a, a new hero at release, maybe. But all the same thing for Overwatch is still going to be there. There's still going to be support. There's still going to be events, things like that. Having this as an expansion and just calling it phase two instead of being a completely separate game. The engine's already solid. Yeah, it is. All they need to do is work in something that allows for, uh, if they want to do like a talent or perk system, which they kind of already have. You could sort of like at the, at the main menu screen, select which iteration, of the, whether you want to play the PVP version or whether exactly. you want to play the PVE missions. And because what other games out there that do that? And I know people are going to, I'm going to get some hate for this, but like there are games that do this like Fortnite, whether or not you love it, there is the PVE content, which is the save the world, which is the story mode. They've stuff been doing it the with Hearthstone. They've been doing it and with Hearthstone. They've, they've been doing it with, I mean, it, it's not a new concept is what I'm trying to say. No. Like wildly successful games currently do that, where it's just two separate containers for the same thing through the same interface that I could see happening where this becomes phase two. And like you said, you log in, you get to choose. Am I playing PvP? Am I playing PvE? And you kind of go where you want to go. All that said, if you think that they're going to come out with a new hero to, to, to cap all of this, who do you think that new hero is going to be? Who do you think is likely? Do you think it's going to be another Overwatch agent? Or do you think it's going to be somebody from Talon? Or do you think it's going to be another character? What do you think is likely? 
That's a tough one. Who was the last hero that they revealed? Who was the last one? It was Sojourn. Sojourn. Yeah, and he it was Batiste and then Sojourn. So yeah, and Sigma, right? Or Sigma? Yeah, not Sojourn. I'm sorry. So Sigma was if we're following the same sort of pattern, Overwatch is due for a good guy, quote unquote, because Batiste is sort of like a gray area, and then you have Sigma who is very much Talon as far as like his storyline is going right now. So I think they need to swing back and I think it's going to be somebody that's going to be more overwatch and it will probably be something we've seen in the background of the comics or the shorts where it's going to be a name that was referenced at some point. Okay. Rossi, do you have any ideas towards that? Well, I mean, there's always echo. There is echo and echo is echo is a fascinating possibility just because of like, why was echo in that crate? Why mm-hmm. did McCree have the chip to activate her? Why why was that in his possession? Why does she have the Vishkar logo on her forehead? Who who made her? Is she hard light technology? Is she an omnic? Is she some sort of fusion between omnics and hard light? Was she an experiment? Was she a Vishkar experiment? That's kind of fascinating to me now that I think about it. Maybe Vishkar I... was messing around with these sentient omnics. All I know is, I mean from my personal standpoint, I want another tank. I think that of all the interesting characters we've had released over the the years in the storyline stuff, tanks sort of are lacking. Even Brigitte, who is tanky-ish, is still support. She's not a standalone tank. So um, even even uh, Wrecking Ball, yeah, Hannon is a support tank. He's not a solo tank. I'd like to have a beefier tank. Oh, he's so much fun though. I have one other name that I'm going to just sort of bring up here, and you guys may or may not recognize this name. Liao. He was, or she, we don't know which, was that original strike, part of that, that, the final member of that original strike team that was Overwatch. Because there was Morrison, Reyes, um, there was Amari, there was Reinhardt, there was uh, Torbjorn, and then there was Liao who was only brought up very briefly once in an in a news article, one of those little fake news articles that they put out referencing the team. Mm-hmm. They were number six. We don't know who they are. We don't know if they're if it's a guy or a girl. We've never seen them. All we know about Liao is that in the picture they used from the Anna short, yeah. the picture of the earlier team. That's not the original six. It's There's more than six people in the picture, for one thing. Yeah. Uh, but... The person who's on the very far side isn't Liao. Nope. That's all we know. None of these people are Liao. Yep. So, so we've Liao never is seen them. Already out of Overwatch by the time that this picture was taken. Yeah, and we've we've never seen them. We don't know what happened to them. We don't know anything about them. But their name—they were given a name. And Blizzard's also... not in the habit of giving characters names or mentioning characters when they're not going to be relevant at some point. Isn't there also there's there's another one too that was mentioned at some point, but Sojourn uh, was it Sojourn? Sojourn was the one who was like on the uh, announcement I th- stuff. I think I was thinking of Marembe. Oh, Marembe, yeah. Also, that's another that's another one we've seen in the comics that yeah. you know we haven't seen pop back up yet. She was an Overwatch agent. Oops. One sec, that was a very loud alarm. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, she's alive. She's definitely not confirmed. Well, at least as far as we know, she's not confirmed deceased like no. Bayless or Al Farouk um, or, or Singh or, or, you know, there's so that's entirely 
possibly that it's person. a possibility it's a possibility mm-hmm. um the people that were in the original the original six members of overwatch was soldier 76 reaper reinhardt torbjorn amari and liao yeah yep. it was That's it was that person was there in that original six and this was pre-winston pre-omnic crisis fallout every this was when they were originally formed to fight the omnic crisis that's when Liao was brought in. And then we've heard nothing since then. Yeah, and they confirmed at San Diego Comic-Con in 2016 that that was the the person in the far left in the photo. Yeah. The or, original photo. Yeah. It's never been Liao. They, nope. They've, they straight up said it's not Liao. That's not that Liao. Uh, oh, that's right. Sorry. Not Liao. Yeah. yeah. We don't know and we don't know Liao's gender. We don't know Liao's appearance. We don't like we don't it know might why have been Liao one of isn't those, in that picture. It might have been one of those mysterious faces that flashed on the recall order, but we're not sure. Because there were yeah. a bunch of there's still a bunch of ident- unidentified faces on that recall order that haven't like we've we've heard nothing from them. And they could be dead or they could be heroes that are waiting in the wings, that kind of thing. One of them could have been Liao. We just don't know. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting because it's like, I don't know what direction they're going to go from here with a new hero. Because honestly, the last hero that they came up, he was so wild and out there that it's like, okay, where are they going to go from here? They need to ground things a little bit, but where are they going to go? And what what region of the world are they going to pull from? Ooh, Amar, wait, Farah's dad would be interesting too if he's a hero, but I don't know if he's even a hero or if he's just like some dude up in Canada. I mean, on a personal personal level, I'd like to see another POC added. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. It'd be cool. I'd be cool with it. I'm I'm kind of like I would like to see Sojourn just because I found the mention of that character pretty fascinating. Uh, same thing with Echo. I would love to see Echo brought in just because her appearance at the end of that whole... That was just like out of nowhere and everybody was like, oh, who is that? And then we mm-hmm. didn't find out, right? We never found out. It was awful. And and McCree just left her there and said, go find Winston. And that was it. That's the other reason why I think, you know, if we're getting an Overwatch 2 and it's, and it's following more of a a narrative standpoint echo's gonna have to come in at some point because mccree told her to go find winston so she makes sense oh we also have uh what kimiko which was another name and during the recall that popped up on the screen yeah yeah there was a bunch of different names that popped up on the screen and a bunch of different faces that popped up on the screen that weren't necessarily identified but um yeah i'm very i'm very interested to see where this is gonna go Anyway, we'll find out more about that on Friday. It's really not that far. It's less than a week, you guys. Oh, and it's, we'll have it's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of stuff to go over on next Sunday. And also when Rossi gets back, we're going to be going over even more of it. So um, you guys buckle up because it's going to be pretty cool. And now I want to talk about World of Warcraft. Um I feel like, in as much as I have been saying I would love to ha- see Rise of the Black Empire or whatever, that's not the possibility we're looking at. And we've been talking about this the past couple of weeks now, and I think we all know where we've been kind of leaning towards mm-hmm. is something to do with Bolvar, something to do with Sylvanas, something to do with the Shadowlands, something to do with all of that stuff. So... Give me your best predictions. Just 
based on what we've been discussing already. What do you guys think the next expansion is going to be about? Go ahead, Rossi. No, you do it. <laughs> we've been talking about it for a while, and there are two very strong possibilities. Um, one is definitely the Shadowlands, because we've been talking a lot about that recently. And I'm not talking about what we've seen leak-wise or anything like that, because I don't believe anything until I see it on the screen until or on the stage or announced officially. But people, it's, people can build some very convincing yeah. fake leaks, and they have done it before. Does oh, anybody yeah. remember the dark below? Anyway, I do. <laughs> and we know we know that that was Shadowlands has been something that was copyrighted for a long time, but it makes a lot of sense because what have we talked about last week? We talked about there's still something in there, something massively powerful that we don't understand, something that Odin made a deal with, something that created or gave the knowledge to create the Valkyr that Helia might not be too keen with. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Bolvar and the Lich King aren't too on board with either, considering they live in pockets that are carved out of the Shadowlands. We don't know the extent of what they reach. We don't know if it's a universal thing or if it's something that's only present on Azeroth. And it's starting to look more and more like that makes the logical sense of where we're going to at least start. Um, and I think the swerve is that the Lich King isn't actually going to be a bad guy. We all expect him to be evil and all this stuff, but it'll turn out that no, he was actually doing it or whatever he's doing is to fight whatever's in the Shadowland. And I think we're going to be working with him. And that's, I think that's where we're going to go, or at least to start with. I still think at some point we're going to wind up having to fight some void entity, something to do with Koresh, because ethereals have been more more common recently. The stuff with Legion with, uh, what is this, Locust Walker? Locust Locus Walker. Walker, yeah. I mean, he's a thread that hasn't been pulled on yet. They've been around forever, and we still don't know a whole lot about them. This is a great opportunity for that especially if we deal with whatever's in the Shadowlands and we still have the Void to deal with because don't forget, old gods are just Void may manifest in the material plane. The Void's still a problem that we have to seal off or deal with at some point. So that's my prediction. I think we're going to start in the Shadowlands. We're going to deal with whatever is there. And then at the end of that next expansion, we're going to wind up dealing with the Void in some place, probably on Koresh or actually going into the Void. Okay. Rossi, what do you think? How did they make the Lich King? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a good question? Because Kill Jaden crafted this helm and this sword, and he stuffed Nerazul's essence into it and said, here you go. I, I have a theory. I have a theory that kind of occurred to me yesterday, and I had like a, a brain snap moment where all of a sudden it all made perfect sense. Okay. Um, you want to go with it then? Since yeah, okay. Unless you want to go ahead and continue with what you were saying, no, no. Rossi. Go ahead. I'm curious. Okay, I was thinking about it. Bolvar is not happy with Sylvanas, and and nope. he made that very clear. Sylvanas made a deal with Helia. That was also something that was made very clear. But then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, well, Bolvar and Helia shouldn't have any problems with each other because they're both in the oh. Mm -hmm. Who had the Shadowlands first? Mm -hmm. Who came in later and kind of usurped what was happening there? Who took over the creation of the Valkyr? Mm -hmm. Who likely really ticked off Helia in the process? I feel like that deal that Sylvanas made with Helia, 
I feel like Sylvanas is Helia's Arthas. It would make sense. Um, because those Shadowlands were there before the Lich King, and the Lich King just sort of came in, sat down, took over. I mean, they were there before Helia. Made the Scourge, made all that other stuff, and like essentially took over her stuff. And even we even had we even had the oh my gosh, I can't remember their name now. The big tall people up in Northern. The Vrykul. We had the Vrykul ladies who were fighting to actually like ascend from Arthas from the Lich King. They weren't they we had weren't an, yeah, fighting. We had an entire village of them. They 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 weren't fighting for Helia's favor. They were fighting for the Lich King's favor. And I can't see any of that being particularly appealing to Helia. Oh, wow. and then even the other ones, the ones that existed that were fighting, they were fighting for Odin. Yeah. Which, you know, that's it was not like exactly Helia was favor. it was like Helia was a footnote in history that was completely forgotten about. And except for one group that was present in Northrend. Yep. The Caval there. Yeah. They were the only ones. And what do we do with those guys? We <laughs> murdered them wholesale, you know? It's like Helia wasn't even no nobody gave her any thought. Nobody gave her any thought. Nobody's ever given her any thought. Odin wrote her off. Odin said, oh, I had to do that because she was, like, falling to whatever and I had to make her what she is today. And that isn't true. None of it is true. She is this creation, this creature that was forced into this position and then forgotten about for eons to the point where... And then... And then when all of this stuff started coming to a head, what happened? Some dude shows up with a frosty sword, plunks himself down on a throne made of ice, and takes over all her stuff. The interesting thing about that, too, is I remember distinctly in Legion, uh, Helios' forces were able to convert Valajar into Cavaldir, too, weren't they? Yes. So what else could she convert? Could she wrest control of the Valkyr? Quite possibly. I don't know. That would make for a very interesting... Uh, but I do know... Is that, that why the Lich King is not relying on them and the Lich King is going 100% on Death Knights? Why do you think that the Valkyr made a deal with Sylvanas instead yep. of talking to Bolvar? Yep. Because Sylvanas knew she what was it was. Sylvanas knew what it was to be betrayed. And Helia obviously knew about that because she she knew what was going on in the mortal realms. We know that. She says as much in every encounter we're with those Valkyr that came to Sylvanas were the first ones and they were not happy about being bound to Arthas or being bound to the frozen throne they didn't want to be there they wanted freedom and I'm thinking that this is going to be a showdown this is going to be a showdown between Helia and Bolvar and Sylvanas and Sylvanas also, um, somebody mentioned in the queue, and I just, I, I just, I just, oh man, the thought, just the thought of this is, is enough to make me, okay. Um, you know how in the introduction cinematic to Wrath of the Lich King, you have Arthas and he's coming forward and he plunges his sword in the ice and then Cinder Ghost that comes out of the ice behind him? Yep. <laughs> Who's Bolvar really mad at? Mm. Who, who has Bolvar been utilizing? So you're saying dragons are going to be involved. What if Bolvar rose Galakron from the dead? Well, I mean, Arthas his, wanted to, so... I mean, his skeleton's just sitting out there in the dragon Not only light. that, but he's been, he's been unbothered for how long at this point? Yeah. 
And what we were just talking about, when I, well, at least I was talking about the last time we talked about Death Knights, he's not really using his power to control necessarily no. like Arthas was doing. So he can focus that power elsewhere. While Arthas was brute forcing control, Bolvar is delegating. He's got Death Knights to go do this stuff for him now. He's got a capable army of generals that he can trust to follow That are orders. loyal. He spent Legion building that loyalty. Without exerting power, so he can then go to no. Galakron's corpse and say, well, I have all this power I don't know what I'm doing with. Sweet. Go ahead. Can you guys just imagine what that cinematic would look like? Because um, be, Galakron be Galakron was the largest proto-Drake. Like, his 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 form blocked out the sun. He's bigger than Deathwing by and a substantial margin. And considering what he was described to be doing with the whole eating of other drakes and like birthing amorphous he like, was, he things was that formed into the, undead drakes. He Leia, was, let's have that. He was almost the progenitor of of necrotic energies on Azeroth. Like you could look at him that way if you read Dawn of the Aspects. Like Thanks, dear. What? Oh said, yeah. Thanks, dear. <laughs> I thought it you said thanks. Like you said thanks, dear. I thought you said thanks, dear, and I'm like, what did I do? I'm like, well, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Hey, thanks, dear. You're you're the reason we have necromancers. I'm I'm convinced of it. Yeah. So like, this is this is my theory is that we're looking at an expansion where it's gonna be it, it's gonna be Sylvanas versus Bolvar, but it's not really Sylvanas versus Bolvar. It's hell yeah. Well, yeah, and it's been be hell yeah all along. And I feel like we're going to actually, like, we're going to bring Odin into this at some point, and we're going to have to... The only thing that's really delicate about this whole situation is that if Bolvar is the good guy, then that would make Helia the bad guy. I don't want Helia to be the bad guy. I yeah, but she worry. is the bad don't, guy. Don't don't worry. I've got something for you. Though. All right. <laughs> Rossi, let her in. We're going to go back to what I was really talking about. Yep. How do you make the Lich King? is you torture Nerzul, okay? You then place Nerzul's soul into the Helm of Domination, and you encase his essence in the armor, and you place the sword in there, and you fire it in, in, into Ice Crown Citadel, where the Frozen Throne forms around it and imprisons it. From the beginning, I've always wondered, why was pushing the sword out of the Frozen Throne so important? Good question. And then I studied up on Death Knight artifacts, Oh and one of them yes. Is the Maw, one of them is the Maw of Damnation, where you find out that Legion artificers know how to bind entities into weapons. Yep. And use them to create incredibly powerful weapons. So Frostmourne most likely had some sort of essence bound into it. And I started thinking about that. Why did he need to get that away from him? Why was it necessary for him to rupture the Frozen Throne when the Frozen Throne was the thing keeping his soul in? Because once that thing was 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 breached, yes, he could then, you know, have Arthas find the sword and, and destroy his soul and make a servant of him. But at the same time, he began his own deterioration because that's the whole bit. That's the entire reason he started losing control of the of the Scourge. That's the whole thing that Illidan was making worse with his attacks. He pushed the sword out of the Frozen Throne. And I've been thinking about that. And I've been thinking about... What would motivate what... him to do that? So what does that mean now that, that Frostmourne shattered? But reforged, and what happens when you reforge rune weapons? They get stronger. Oh boy! Because when you remember, fellow Malorn got destroyed, and then reforged, yeah, it and it was stronger. When you reforge a rune weapon, it gets stronger, and we now have two of them. And when we go into the rune blades, we see images of both Nerzul and Arthas, who we know shouldn't be in there because 
when Sylvanas took her swan dive off of Ice Crown, she saw Arthas. Yeah. Where she went, unless she didn't go where she thought she went. It's like echoes. Because the fragments of the sword were all over Ice Crown Citadel at the time. Ooh. Now, but, but I'm thinking here. So you've got this sword forged with Legion uh, soul weaving to create this rune weapon, just like the Maw of the Damned. What does the helm for? Is to contain a domination. Is, yes, but what are you dominating? Who's being dominated? Are you dominating the spirit that's in the helm, or are you? is the helm dominating the undead? Or is the helm dominating the spirit that's in the sword? Or there's an entity out there. One with hates, the Odin eyeball? Yeah, yeah, that hates Azeroth, that wants it dead. And it might very well have agreed with Kil'jaeden. Okay, you need a power source for this thing you want to make? Let's make a deal. Because we know the Legion does that. Yeah. That's their whole thing. They love to make deals. And Kil'jaeden is arrogant enough to think himself the superior of Sargeras. He said so. Mm-hmm. I will do what Sargeras could not. And when he was when Sargeras returned and was directly giving him orders, he was very balkish about taking them. He didn't like it. Kil'jaeden wanted to be in charge of the Legion. Kil'jaeden wanted to be all-powerful. With Kil'jaeden being that arrogant, would he also reach out to the Shadowlands for a spirit powerful enough to give him control over death? And would that spirit be the same one that was so interested in dealing with Helia in the first place? Because remember, it was Helia that contacted something in the Shadowlands and brought it forth to talk to Odin. It was Helia who yeah. had the knowledge how to do that. Because it was Helia who knew the planes so well. Helia knew the planes so well that she helped Haikipa Ra create the elemental planes. Which implies that the Shadowlands might have been created by the Titans, just as you know, the Emerald we had that, was. We had that whole theory. We had that whole theory that maybe the Shadowlands was kind of a manifestation of the trauma that Azeroth experienced when Almanthol ripped or tried to rip Yashiraj out of the planet. No, well, he succeeded. That's yeah. straight up true. He ripped him out. And, well, and his heart was left behind. Of... Yeah, I guess. Well, oh, yeah, not, just okay. his, not just his heart. They scattered pieces of the old god all over the continent. Yeah. And, and but here's and the thing. Nearly killed the planet in the process and created the Shah. But here's the thing. What if it's not the trauma that was they needed the Shadowlands to create? They they had to create the Shadowlands for. What if they created the Shadowlands because old gods when they die, they it's like when That's an, an entity like well, think of it this way. When when a being dies, their spirit moves on to wherever spirits go. We've seen that. We've seen people like, you know, your adventurer dies. He has a unique immortal soul like I do. You know, all that stuff. But old gods will come back and they've always come back because we can't kill them. An old god is literally a piece of void. It's it's this it's an aberration. It's a thing that should not Mm. exist. It is all possibilities because it's nothing. And if you kill nothing, well, can can nothing die? Nothing can. Nothing is immortal. Nothing is immortal. But if you give that nothing somewhere to go, a pocket well, of existence. That's literally the difference between the Shadowlands and the Emerald Dream. The Emerald Dream is the dream of possibility of a living Titan. Of the morning. What is Shadowlands is the morning for all the, the stopped possibilities of a dead old god. And what if it's that dead old god? I I like that idea. The Shadowlands. What if and it's that, that dead old god but, but, that Helia reached out to? Was I that, I, I want to go. I was going to say. I want to go a step further. What if the Shadowlands? Because every time a player character dies, 
when you go back to your body, you're walking through the Shadowlands. Every time anything dies, it goes through the Shadowlands to get to where it needs to go at some point. What if that was a Titan construct that was intentionally put in place when the planet was ordered to nurture it? Azeroth needed a place for all these spirits to get basically fed back where into do, the planet, right? Where do, where do Naru get their spirits mm -hmm. when they go into their dark cycle? They pull them from the planet. And what are they? People. When when the, the when the Naru are in you know Ashagun regenerating, they're pulling the dark in cycle. orc souls. Yep. Yep. And the orc souls are not upset about this. No, nope. they just go. Yeah. But that's but that's why I'm and, thinking like I think you might be on the right path though with like if Yasharaj died like quote unquote died where did it go what if he just took up residence in the Shadowlands what if he is the Shadowlands what if he is that being because, because what if he's a perversion is... of the Titan construct that is the Shadowlands no here's the thing guys okay what if Amon Thul when he ripped Yasharaj out of the planet there's that whole thing and yes I know Logan rewrote this stuff and whatnot but still there's that whole thing where it said that they realized that you couldn't kill the old gods they would always come back what they didn't say was they built something to keep them mm -hmm. after death because it's it's just like with the soul stone it's, it's just like with demons it's just like with the black soul stone over in diablo like you have yeah, to have something co to contain these things or they just keep just coming like, back and yeah wow. it's it's just like it's so it's like the yeah the prison planet and everything else what if the oh, shadowlands is literally what if the shadowlands is literally yasharaj and every time, every time we kill an old god, that's where it goes. So right now, Cthulhu is in there chilling. Yog saron is in there chilling. We're about to send Nazoth in there to chill. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe, maybe not even necessarily chilling. Like regaining their power and doing yeah, that thing that the or... Naru do because they're opposite Naru. Yeah, and every time you go through there, you are exposed to what? What's the thing that you first notice? When you're in the Shadowlands, what's the noise you first hear? Oh, whispers. Boy. You hear whispers. Do you think that's where we... That's my imitation. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> and still. it sounds like Yashiraj. Yeah. Well, and I, and I like the idea of it, too, because like there are things in the Shadowlands that just don't make sense otherwise, right? Like Soul Eaters, Spirit Flayers, Umbral Lurkers. Um, heck, the Dark Riders of Arceus live there. Like... All these forgotten servants, all these shadowy constructs, shadowy tormentors, uh, face stealers, all these things that live there. Uh, and you even see shades of it. Like when you're going to see Bwam Samdi, it's like this little pocket of the Shadowlands. Like when you're going to his his uh, necropolis, what does it look like? What are you doing? Where are the spirits going? Isn't it interesting, too, that yeah. so many of the death-related things use titan constructs or twisted titan constructs mm -hmm. the uh the Anub the, the anubarox uh people the nerubians used titan constructs that's their entire all their architecture and stuff is based around it the obsidian and it destroyers like? and everything yeah yeah but look at the actual architecture it's yeah. terraced step pyramids what's the ter the architecture look like in um sandalar sandalar yes terraced step pyramids what does Oh, you know, on Karage like pyramids, and I'm not saying that the the Lich King is Yasharaj. I'm not saying it, it is even a piece of Yasharaj. I'm saying that in that place there was an entity that was willing to make a deal. And what do we know likes to make deals? 
Yeah, the Legion loves to make deals. The old gods and, like to make deals too. Yep. Well, that's why, and that's why I was thinking like that's why I kept going back, and also because like, I'm remembering stuff from the uh, tabletop RPG, which I know is not canon. Okay, um, but it's canon-ish because things from the RPG like, have been brought into, like like Azara. But they even refer to like the way that it's referred to in the book is almost like it's a Titan construct, like almost like it's it just it existed because they willed it so. And if you take that at face value, it sort of makes sense too because when you're on Argus and you die, where do you go to get your body back? The Soul Engine. In, no, you're in the Shadowlands still. You, not demons. Oh, oh yeah, you. Sorry. Well, I mean, part of that too is probably related to the fact that Azeroth is right there. But Possibly, think about that. No, think about still... it though. Think about what that would mean. How if did Sargeras Azeroth... know how to make Antorus into a Soul Engine? Mm-hmm. If it's the thing that Titans know how to do, and we know Titan, we know Titans know how to make prison places for beings that won't stay dead. Yes, which because explain... did it. Which would also explain why the Valkyr are there to guide souls back to their respective places, whether it's their afterlife in a different realm that connects to the Shadowlands, whether it's to come back to their bodies, which they do for us, or and what you know. Also, another thing you'll notice: Antorus has keepers in it. It does. Ooh, all of this is really, really fascinating, and I think this means that this expansion is going to be if this if this is what the expansion is all about. Um. Well, first off, I was kind of like initially sort of uh, unnerved at the thought that we were just going to deal with Nizoth so quickly. But if this is actually what we're looking at here, then maybe the circle that they're referring to isn't like a circle of breaking them free or anything like that. Maybe the circle is a circle of uniting them all again, and they've just been waiting for us to do it. They, have, they do not live. They no. do not die. They are outside the cycle. Okay. We are running over time, so I think we kind of need to wrap it up here. But suffice it to say, I think that BlizzCon this year is going to be pretty dang fascinating, and I can't wait to see what comes out of it. Um, we'll be back next Sunday to discuss all of that. It'll be me and Joe and our special guest, and then Rossi will be back the following weekend, and we will probably be talking even more about it. Uh, we have a list of emails. It's a fairly substantial list of emails that I have like compiled them all into a single document and we will get to those eventually, people. I swear. Um, if you do have an email for the show about anything that we've been discussing or if BlizzCon comes out and you've got questions re re regarding like announcements at BlizzCon, send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and make sure that you put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. Or if you're on our Discord, you could go ahead and drop that in the in the um, patron Q and po podcast channel if you're one of our supporters on Patreon because we do check there as well and we kind of give pro try and give priority to those questions. It's just that we've had so much to talk about, you guys, between 8.3 and now BlizzCon. There's a lot. There's a lot to cover. Um, regardless, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible to do the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial if you want to check out their service. Um, there are several Blizzard titles that are available on Audible right now, and I believe Dawn of the Aspects is one of those titles that's available. Um, 
I know we discussed that a little bit. The other one that might be interesting, if you can find it to check it out, is go ahead and check out the Illidan novel, because that one was actually a pretty good one, too. And we did discuss that a little bit as well. Um, if you want to go ahead and check that out, like I said, they've got a bunch of Blizzard titles, or they've got thousands and thousands and thousands of other titles to choose from. Basically, take your pick. You can choose any of them for that free download. You can sign up by going to blizzardwatch.com audible, and every sign-up helps support the show and everything that we do. Final thoughts, you guys. Do you think those are the three major announcements that we're going to get? Or do you think we're going to see something else that we haven't been expecting? Joe? Lost Vikings 3. Yes. The search for more Vikings. We're yes. going to get it. I'd be, I'd honestly, I'd be all okay with that. Or, especially if they released it as a mobile title. <laughs> or the Lost Vikings rock and roll racing Blackthorn crossover project. Heroes of the Bjorn. Heroes of the Bjorn. Okay. Anyway, uh, that was terrible, and I feel <laughs> bad for having said it. Rossi, what about you? Alan Adam came back to Blizzard back in 2016. Yeah. He was one of the three big founders of Blizzard, since the other two have since retired. And that was Silicon and Synapse back. back in the day, yeah? Yes. Yes, he was, he was part of Silicon and Synapse. I should also mention, though, that Alan Adam is a major force behind the very existence of World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. The game wouldn't exist if not for him. He basically made it happen. That was to the point where humans was his baby. Yeah, but but World World of Warcraft in particular, Mm -hmm. he worked on, and he retired right after he got done. He effectively retired when it was just about ready to come out. He was like, "I'm done now. I've given this game all I can. I'm done." Since then you know he retired he tried to do other things and he decided to go back to blizzard and he even said i, I realized I, I wish i'd realized i was just burned out and i needed a vacation not that i need to retire when he came back they put him in charge of quote-unquote special projects and they've since put him on the executive committee and one of the things he's supposedly working on is you know cool new stuff that's the correct quote and one of the things they then said was that some of those things are new ips and we haven't heard anything since you think we're gonna get a new ip i don't know there's an uh, awful say, lot of blank spots in that schedule. I'm just there's, saying. There's four panels, and they're that big will be Visible free on on, the, not on Friday. Yeah, you will be able to watch four panels free. Not just usually it's commencement, and that's it. Yeah. And this year they're putting four of them out. I do not believe that. Like right now, if we look at the amount of IPs Blizzard has, they would have to be putting out a new Star. They have to be putting out a new StarCraft game. A new, new you know, Warcraft game, a new Diablo game, and a new Overwatch game to fill up those four roles. And we only and know they're about done two. with StarCraft. They're done with StarCraft. Or announcing a brand new game. Yeah, if I think that it's very possible, we're going to get a new game. Ooh. I I think it is very possible. I'm very the excited only... by that possibility. But I mean, that's not 100. I and if it doesn't happen, it's not a letdown. It's just this was me looking at the situation and saying, I haven't heard anything from Alan Adam in three years. What's yeah. he up to? And Plus, you also have to look at there's a couple of blank spaces in Saturday schedule too, wasn't there? Yep. Yeah, there's there's a coming soon panel on Saturday. I remember I was even looking at it today because I was writing a breakfast topic and I'm like, huh, what is that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's on the Warcraft stage though. Okay. It's on the mythic stage, and everything else on the mythic stage is Warcraft. Might be, that day. yeah, might be something, something related to Warcraft stuff, or it could be something different altogether. Don't know. All Don't right. Know. Well, either which way, we're gonna know in less than a week, and I'm really excited to find out. Rossi, have a good time at BlizzCon. Thank you're you. you're you're um, gonna love it, and and just like enjoy yourself. We'll hold down the fort over here. Okay. 
<laughs> and to everybody else, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will see you again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.